if you would uh, turn in your Bibles this time to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. We're still on our holiday mode. And uh, hopefully to start back on our series on Philippians next week. But for now, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 17. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore? Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. May God bless his holy word. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your gospel. For it is indeed the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes, even to us. We ask that it would be renewing us once again, that it would be the source of the work of your Holy Spirit in conforming us to the image of another, even of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. We just entered a new year, as obvious as it is obvious to all of us. What will make it a truly spiritual new year? If you have not yet be born again, become a new preacher in Christ. Now I'm giving you something, a command, if you will, as our Lord did, one Nicodemus, that no one can fulfill. Just as you cannot born yourself into this world through the womb of your mother, neither can you be born again into the heavenly kingdom of Christ. So, you have to turn to God. Have you? Are you born again? And if you already have been born again, are you being transformed? As Paul would put it, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is that your desire? Is that your aim in life? Is that your purpose? There are three questions that flow out of this passage to me and I trust to you as well that would make it a truly new year for you, child of God. First, am I Christ's? Paul says, if any man be in Christ, it's healthy to refresh. You have entered, if you're in Christ, a new relationship. God looks at you differently. You're his child. I'm his child. 
In fact, you and I are a new person altogether. The old way of thinking about things, Paul says, has gone away, has passed out of existence. Behold, the old has come and in its place has, re- has replaced that with the new. Behold, all things are become new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You love and worship God, which before you didn't. In the state of innocency, God was the one supreme object of love and worship. But Adam and Eve, in one moment, threw off their allegiance to the Lord. They, we, became gods unto ourselves. As it is said in Genesis 3, 5, For God doth know in the day that you eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Who said this? But the evil one. To our first parents, particularly to our first mother, Eve. You will be as gods. Actually, in the Hebrew, you will be as God himself. What a change the new birth has brought into our lives. The father of Jesus becomes your father and mine. The first motion of a renewed soul is, I will arise and go to my father. If you recall the story of the prodigal in Luke 15. His first confession and ours arise from a broken heart. Father, I have sinned against thee. And now the Father hastens to receive you and I back. As was said by the Father to his Son. For this my Son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. And they began to be merry. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said in our passage that I read, and all things are of God. Actually, it's the verse after what we read. So let me have us turn to it. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Think about that, what that means. He has reconciled us. We are at enmity with God. We are separated from God. We are alienated from God. We are as far away as the east is from the west from God when he brought us back to himself, when he reconciled us to himself by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. According to uh, verse 21, which follows... For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What is this? This is how you and I were reconciled. By what some have called and I call a divine transaction. A transaction is like a business transaction. Goods, money for goods, right? Only in this case, you can't buy this. You can't afford to buy this. This is unreachable because it takes the very life of the Son of God, His whole life, to accomplish 
the payment of your debt and mine to a holy and righteous God. God made Him to be sin for us. Not just that He took our sin, but He became almost, in a sense, the epitome of sin itself. And then God poured His wrath upon His Son and killed His Son. Yes, through means. And yes, He didn't actually Himself do it. Nevertheless, it was in God's election and predestination of His only begotten Son. The world, and then also, I don't want to finish without including what we receive in turn, and that is His righteousness, His perfect life, His complete and total and perfect obedience, impeccable life, Credited to our account as if we were the ones that lived his life in thought, word, and deed. And yet, we did not. But that's how God views us, you see. That's what this verse is all about. This verse 21, you need to memorize this verse. If there's a verse that you haven't memorized, if you haven't memorized any verse in the Bible, this is a verse that you need to memorize. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The world is the same. But this sinner, not a must. <laughs> because I am in Christ and thus I belong to Christ. I'm his. I'm no longer my own. As Paul would say in another place. Because I've been bought with a price. Thus I'm to glorify God and my, and my body and my spirit, which are God's. They're no longer mine. I don't have any right to myself. It's just like being married. Not quite. <laughs> but you are not your property anymore, husbands. You're your wives and vice versa. Wives, you're no longer your own property, but your husbands. Only in this case, in total perfection in our relationship to the Son of God. Now Jesus is the Lamb that is the light and the glory of heaven. And before, never did I ever know such beauty in His person. Never did I see such love than in His heart. Never did I see such perfection than in His life and in His work. Never such power and willingness to give and to save and to bring to God than that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That name which I once reviled, I, I used as a curse word in my life is now a name which I cherish above my own name. Above every name. As Paul says in another book, wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and hath given Him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Maybe not right now. There are a lot of people out there that are not bowing the knee to Jesus. But there will be in that last day. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a time when all will 
confess that he is Lord. Even from the pit of hell, they'll confess that he is Lord because they have no other recourse. Because the God of the body and of the soul, the God of life and death, the God who holds us in life, will be glorified. He will be glorified by all of his creation. Again, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has become your Father and mine, such as what is expressed by, again, our brother Paul elsewhere in Galatians. And there he says, And because you are sons, children, actually, in the Greek, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It is because of Jesus, it is because of his Spirit that indwells us, that we love Jesus and that we desire to praise him. You ever think about how odd it is to praise Jesus, especially when you're in a crowd of people that are not believers? It's like you stand up like a sore thumb, right? Or if you're in a restaurant, even Chick-fil-A, and you're praying out loud and no one else is, it's like, hmm. <laughs> even you somehow feel a little uncomfortable. I don't know about you. I'll just speak for myself. I do. But I'll still go ahead and I'll close my eyes for sure. <laughs> God in Christ is now the object of your greatest confidence and trust. In every circumstance in life, even in your darkest moment, such as when you're faced with death, especially your own. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is this you? Are you his? Is he yours? Secondly, do you live for Christ? It goes on. Well, we go on in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. So we're going back to the two previous verses, which read, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Your living starts with your loving, if I can put it that way. Remember the question, do I live for Christ? Your living starts with your loving. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Remember that child's hymn. We haven't sung it in a while, but we all know it. Jesus, what? Loves me, this I know, before the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Not just the Bible, but his spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and that Jesus loves us immeasurably, unfailingly, eternally, and will never let us go, no matter how far we may wander like sheep as we are prone to wander, right? He always is there to bring us back. He always is there to bring us back. Never, never underestimate the power of Christ. It is a power that exceeds all because of a love that excels. Christ died on a sinner's behalf. Yours and mine. 
is the ultimate demonstration of that. So let's develop this love of Christ or for Christ in us. As I said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The word in the Greek, to constrain or to compel. That seems pretty obvious, right? Love compels us, you know, like love draws us. But actually, it has a far different meaning. Uh, to hold something together so that it doesn't fall apart. That's how he constrains us. He, his love holds us together so it doesn't come apart. His love doesn't come apart. Although we may feel like we're falling apart, he holds us together. <laughs> Amazing grace. And then another nuance, to surround or hem in. That is to keep that one from escaping. He keeps us from escaping. <laughs> is there ever that tendency in us? Oh, Tell me about it. The idea is that Christ's love completely controls and dominates us so that we have no option but to live for Christ. And yet he doesn't force us. He woos us, as it says in the Westminster Confession of Faith. He woos us. He gives us a new heart. He gives us his heart. To use the words of our dear brother, Dr. Crabbendam. He gives us a new mind. He gives us a new soul. He gives us a new person. And that's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul demonstrates this love for, of Christ for Christians in uh, verse 14. Demonstrates. And what demonstrate means, right? Proves. It's like, I'm from Missouri. You ever heard of that? Why? That's the show me state. We have had two meetings in recent years in Missouri. And, and uh, they mean what they say and they say what they mean in Missouri, Okay. <laughs> Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Judge, the word judge, we thus judge, we thus judge, we thus judge. What does that mean? It's the word in the Greek that means to separate or to sift. Like sifting flour, ladies, right? Sifting wheat, you know, like through uh, your hands, like what our Lord warned Peter, that Satan would sift you as wheat through his hands, if you could. But I have prayed for you, that your faith will not fail. Huh. <laughs> huh, Satan. <laughs> huh, Peter. This, thus judge, meaning after having carefully evaluated all the facts, this is the conclusion that we have drawn. Paul states his conviction. One died for all, meaning Jesus died for us. And then draws the conclusion, therefore, all died, meaning believers, the elect. Now the demonstration, yes, the demonstration or proof, if you will, of this having happened, that Christ died and all those who died, that he died for, died with him, who come to faith in him and repentance of their sins. That we objects of his work should not or do not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him who died for them and rose again we do not we do not that's our determination that is our purpose for living that's our passion and I'm not here to you know be like some of these uh, these business uh, conferences where they want to build you up that's not what I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to show you where the source is. I'm trying to show you who the source is. 
of our passion, of our reason for living, and that is Christ. Paul was first Saul of Tarsus, if you remember, breathing out threatens and slaughter against uh, the children of the way. That is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. And then he had this encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus that forced him to do some very serious self-evaluation and evaluation of God, and evaluation especially of the Son of God. And he realized that he had been entirely, absolutely wrong about Jesus. And I could say a lot of that, but I will narrow it down to one thing. How he believed that Jesus deserved what he got when he died the death of a criminal. Because he wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the Christ. He was a fake. He was a forger. But Jesus was not a criminal. And this he realized after his conversion to Christ. And that his dying was not dying for himself and for what he deserved to die. Even for the charges that were leveled against him by the Sanhedrin. And that is that he was a liar and a blasphemer. And that is deserving and worthy of condemnation, even death. But rather, Paul now believed that he died for others who were and are criminals indeed and in truth. And not our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we evidence even in some of the statements we've heard earlier. And so he says in verse 16 of our passage in 2 Corinthians 5, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. We're not bearing witness with just what is evident to our eyes, but evident by faith. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, like he knew him as Saul of Tarsus, but now has come to know him as Jesus, the Son of God. We henceforth know him in that way no more. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Jesus Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the testimony of a true child of God. That is a testimony of one Paul, the preacher and lover of Christ. Augustine, remember St. Augustine of Hippo, returned to his hometown after his conversion in Milan. When he returned home, his former girlfriend called him, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. And that was not on the cell phone, by the way. <laughs> and then he turned to her and says, yes, but it is not I. Isn't that profound? What happens when you pass from death unto life? From being under the power of Satan to being under the power of Christ? Isn't it profound that you are a new creation? that old things pass away and behold, all things have become new? How can you not love Jesus? How can you not love Jesus? And then lastly, and again, we are asking questions. And the third question being, with regards to our transformation, 
is my desire to be with Christ one day. You know what? I have to tell you something. I'm afraid of cat of death. I ran from uh, my draft board because I was a fraidy cat of death. I didn't want to end up 10 foot under or in a body bag being shipped home to my parents. But you know what? When you become a Christian and you have a Savior who is faithful in life and in death, who you love, in life and in death. Death is like someone says, like a shadow that you put your hand through it and it doesn't harm you. And, and really and truly, that's what it is for the, for the child of God. <clears throat> he says in earlier verses in 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith. Not by sight. For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And he's speaking for all Christians. And I'll tell you why. Not because he's the apostle and he, what he says goes and he's the authoritative word on, 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 uh, on, on, on everything uh, biblical and, and scriptural and, uh, and spiritual. But he's saying that from firsthand experience. And he's saying that because he knows in those to whom he has ministered for countless years and have braved uh, uh, all types of obstacles, even, even death, even coming back to life, uh, having been stoned and left for dead on one occasion outside the gate of the city of Jerusalem, of all places. He says, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body we are absent from the Lord and also to be absent from the Lord he would rather willingly be absent from the Lord every Christian is willing to be absent from the Lord to be present in the body ultimately really and truly in our heart of hearts that's what all of us wants to be in heaven amen <laughs> I, I, I anyway there's a saying that you may have heard before. I know you've heard. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. And it's really true. I know this to be true of my loved ones when I'm away from them, even for a short while, like our children. Like my wife, when I go on a mission trip, even for just two weeks, or she goes on a mission trip without me, or, you know, her family, uh, for a month. <laughs> are you willing to be absent from the body? Are you right at home in the body? I think sometimes with all the emphasis and attention we, we give to our bodies and to this life, it, we wonder if that Christian or that believer really and truly feels the way that he should feel about this body. And that is, I will be absent from this body if it means I'll be with the Lord. This again is a demonstration of our love for Christ. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like with loved ones that have recently gone on to glory. And they will never come back in a million years if you ask them, hey, 
come on back. You know, we, we, all, we all miss you. Ah, oh, forget it. You come here. You come to me. <laughs> like the hymn that we're going to sing. A few more Sabbaths here shall cheer us on our way. And I hope that this has helped you to cheer you on your way. And we shall reach the endless rest, the eternal Sabbath day. Then, O oh my soul, O oh my Lord, prepare my soul for that sweet day. O oh, wash me in thy precious blood and take my sins away. Which he has. But which he continues to do in sanctification because we still sin. Yeah. Although, thankfully, we're sinning less. Right? At least is that the, at least that's our goal. Again, a number of our loved ones have gone on ahead of us and praise God. For every one of those I am, I am acquainted with personally that I have heard testified, whether it was some loud, vociferous testimony or a whisper, such as my dad, when he whispered on his bed that he believed in the Lord just the day before he passed. Wanting to be with Christ becomes more and more everything. I pray it is for you. I pray it is even before that time. Because now's the time. Now's the time to desire him who's the desire of the ages and to live for him who has given his all for us. Will you give your all to him? Shall we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for the new year. We pray by your grace that it would be a truly newer year than the last and that you would be glorified in it. 